This past Sunday, unlike the previous two Sundays, we got no major announcement nor new tool from the Federal Reserve. We did, however, get an unscheduled meeting of the Financial Stability Oversight Committee, FSOC, on Friday. Chaired by Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, the group gathered to discuss something. Eventually, they released a statement, and here's what it said. During the meeting, the council heard a presentation from staff of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York on market developments. The council discussed current conditions in the banking sector and noted that while some institutions have come under stress, the U.S. banking system remains sound and resilient, Janet Yellen's favorite word. The council also discussed ongoing efforts at member agencies to monitor financial developments. And those financial developments last week had more of a European flavor than a domestic one. First of all, there was, of course, Credit Suisse's uneasy merger with UBS, some uncertainty surrounding that potential fallout spilling over by the end of last week, last Friday, with markets zeroing in on Deutsche Bank, the big German firm that has been a troubled firm as long as trouble has sought out Credit Suisse. So the FSOC says, look, the U.S. banking system is resilient. The markets are having developments, and those developments are focusing in currently on Europe with potential fallout and spillover far beyond Europe, as we know, because the first global monetary crisis 15 years ago had a largely European flavor to it back then, too. Something changed in European banking around October and November. Stop me if you've heard this before. Major financial indications suggesting monetary and banking changes that were going on October into November. Of course, we saw it prominently, not just in the U.S. Treasury market, but really more so the German Bund curve, which had begun to invert just a tiny little bit back in September, which already was an unprecedented warning. And then at the end of October, curve started to shift so that by early November, it was like, holy crap, what is going on here? So if we're talking about European banks in March, there was a lot of stuff going on in November and, of course, September and October. Last fall is proving a pivotal, a pivotal pivot in the global banking, monetary, financial, and probably economic system. But why? What is going on here? What is really taking, what is, what is the market looking at when it zeroes in on Deutsche Bank? What is going on with European banks leading up to March? That's what we need to go over, and that's what we're going to do today. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, if you're interested, Eurodollar University memberships are available. We have exclusive video content, question and answers, uh, where you can get into the background details. What are banks? What is money? What are these things? What do they look like in the modern sense? And then we have Eurodollar University research subscriptions. One is a partnership with Markets Insider Pro. The other, daily deep dive analysis, was, whereas the, the uh, name suggests we dive deep into these money, finance, economic topics, as well as the potential consequences of everything that is going on right now in the system. All the information for you 
at eurodollar.university. So up until around, say, October, we had a you know large, large focus on electricity, electricity energy crisis in Europe for very good reasons. But even so, there wasn't a whole lot of noise about European banks. It was mostly about we're firms, we're, we're individuals in Europe are going to be able to survive if the winter didn't turn out to be as mild as it did turn out to be. If energy prices really were as harsh, what would that mean to the real economy? There wasn't a whole lot of thought on European banks. In fact, to give you an example, I'm going to pull up a Bloomberg article from late October. This is October 26. Higher interest rates have been good for European banks, mostly. Firms from Deutsche Bank AG to Banco Santander SA this week reported double-digit gains in lending income, helping bolster earnings even as central banks' rapid increases in borrowing costs. So again, central banks raising rates, attempting to get get uh, get control over inflation by restricting the flow of credit. That's the theory. It doesn't really work that way in practice. And here we have Bloomberg saying, yeah, it didn't seem to be working here. Because as we remember from the 1970s, whether Europe or anywhere else, higher interest rates usually get associated with more lending because it's more valuable to lend if you can get much higher return. So think about it, especially Deutsche Bank, in the context of those German interest rates, German risk-free rates, the bond rates. Building off of those, those were going up relatively in tandem with short-term rates. So long-term lending rates, short-term lending rates, both of those going up. So if you're Deutsche Bank or any other bank in, in, in Germany or Europe, you're thinking, this is terrific because even though my funding costs are going up, my my lending lending revenues and a rev lending opportunity is going up too. Spreads are relatively sane, relatively similar, so that we can make higher profit off of continued lending, which we need to do because companies and people really need really need loans to pay for these pay for their skyrocketing electricity bills. But then. Not long after this Bloomberg uh, article came out at the end of October, suddenly, as I said before in the opening, the markets rejumbled everything. Something happened that really impacted, in particular, the European markets. And we saw this in U.S. Treasury, so this is a global phenomenon. But it, the fact that it happened in Germany was one of those things, a huge red flag, major alarm. This was a this is more than just a recession. This is more than just, hey, electricity prices are high. That's going to that's gonna erode consumer purchasing. This was monetary. This was bank. You could tell there was something really going on there. And as that continued to develop and progress over the next couple months, more and more we're kind of getting the data that comes in later that suggests, yeah, there really was something going on last fall. One of the reasons, one of the things we can look at, of course, is specifically Deutsche Bank. If we look at its balance sheet. Why was the market singling that that firm out last week? Before we get into why, what was the what was, what was the banking system in Europe doing up to last March? We can, Deutsche Bank in particular. You can understand why maybe the market's thinking you might be the next one that gets a uncomfortable uh, merger opportunity with some peer. Of course. The idea of merging Deutsche Bank with somebody else goes back several years. Like Credit Suisse, Deutsche Bank has been a troubled bank for quite some time. 
but specifically, we didn't hear much about it last year. It just kind of came up again recently. And if you look at its balance sheet, we only have numbers to the fourth quarter. They haven't posted their first quarter estimates yet. But even so, if you go back to last year, what was Deutsche Bank up to? Deutsche Bank has unusually a, a really large amount of derivative exposure on both sides, both assets and liabilities. So asset side, those are derivatives with a positive market value. Uh, liability side, those are derivatives with a negative asset value. We don't really need to get into what these things are or really the accounting intricacies here. But in 2022, what you saw is that, what you, what you find is that the bank that has 1.3 trillion euros in assets, um, a huge chunk, just just shy of 300 billion in assets are these are these uh, um, derivatives with positive market value. And on the again on the other other side, liabilities, it's almost the same. You got 1.3 trillion in liabilities and capital, and 284.4 billion in uh, at the end of last year was. Uh, derivatives with negative value. So my point is that Deutsche Bank in particular is heavily exposed to derivatives and likely, they don't give us a whole lot of information, but you can wager heavily exposed to derivative contracts that have seen an uptick in sensitivity to things like interest rates or perhaps economic sensitivity. But either way, Deutsche Bank, if it doesn't manage its, its, its affairs properly, and that's a loose term, demanding collateral, offsetting hedges, being able to run a matchbook. There's a whole bunch of stuff. And if you read through the annual report, the bank says, we've got all this stuff covered. We, we hedge the hell out of everything. We manage our collateral flows. We've got things going back and forth. Don't worry about it. Well, I think the market is worried about it because sensitivities have changed and sensitivities likely from November forward. So even though we can't specifically say, hey, this is what's going on with Deutsche Bank, before we even get to this year, you can see the bank is overexposed to something like that, which could explain sudden market interest last week. As would, as would, when we look at Deutsche Bank's just, its loan book. Its loan book is pretty substantial too. Uh, it's half a trillion, or half a trillion euros at the end of 2022, which was up only about 11 billion euros from the end of 2021. But that and the entire increases in its loan book came from just one industry. Can you guess what industry that is? It's financials and insurance companies. So last year, we don't know what, but for some reason, Deutsche Bank said, yes, we're a bank that's already exposed heavily on both sides of the balance sheet to derivatives. Let's, in our loan book, let's lend a lot more to financials and insurance companies. Uh, it was 111.2 billion euros at the end of 2021. That jumped to 121.3 billion. So about 10% increase in loans to financials and insurance companies during 2022. Yeah, starting to see why the uh, the markets have suddenly taken a closer look at this bank. As is, if you go way deep in the financial statements, Deutsche Bank also made a huge jump in commitments, irrevocable lending commitments. Though These are lines of credit that they've already agreed to extend 
no matter what happens. So a customer says, I need I need to draw my line of credit from you. Deutsche Bank can't say no without defaulting, penalties, all that stuff. Major jump in irrevocable lending commitments last year from $184.6 billion at the end of, of 2021 to $202.6 at the end of 2022. So a little bit less than 20, or a little bit less than 10% there. Deutsche Bank took last year as a sign to become more risky. Hmm. That's something that, like the Bloomberg article suggested up until October, they thought maybe this is not a bad idea, but then something changed that might have reevaluated the market's take on what Deutsche Bank is doing. And it's not just Deutsche Bank, it's all the banks in Europe together, and all the banks around the world, but all the banks specifically in Europe. We also got some data back in January from the Europeans, I think it's the European Central Bank, I'm pretty sure it is, um, the Eurozone, Euro Area uh, Bank Lending Survey, the BLS. This is sort of like sluice, but a little bit more comprehensive because it asks about not just demand for loan or credit standards, but a little more, more detail as well as, among other things, what do you see as far as funding difficulties? In the Euro Area Bank Lending Survey from January, which focused on the third and fourth quarters of last year, Euro Area Banks reported that their access to retail funding and securitization deteriorated moderately in the fourth quarter of 2022. Maybe that explains the nervousness in the curves while well, access to debt securities and money markets improved to a small extent. However, in the first quarter of 2023, banks expect a deterioration in access to all funding sources. So it's good that they were anticipating deterioration in, in access to funding sources. They might have done some things in anticipation of it. But as we see, and as we've been talking about procyclicality, the lessons of Bear Stearns, getting yourself prepared for a deterioration in access to funding sources actually speeds up the process. It becomes pro-cyclical because as you start hoarding cash, as you start de-risking and hedging, you're leaving the rest of the marketplace overexposed or more exposed to these types of things. Less liquidity, more liquidity for you, less liquidity in the marketplace. So as banks began pulling back, Last year, during the fourth quarter, there's less for everything else. So maybe as the banking system de-risked, less than the Bear Stearns, but there was no failure last year. It wasn't about Bear Stearns. It wasn't about SVB. It wasn't about Credit Suisse. Those were ahead of time. What was bothering the banking system last year? It couldn't have just been electricity prices because throughout the fourth quarter, electricity and energy prices started to mediate. They started to get much better. In fact, we've seen European business and consumer confidence. Those rebounded, but yet something continued to plague the banking system. So let's go a little bit deeper in the Euro Area Bank Lending Survey, thinking about Deutsche Bank doing what it was doing up until the end of last year. And banks were saying, if you go to table one in that survey, Factors contributing to changes in credit standards for loans and credit lines. Uh, banks are saying we're increasing, like, they, like their American counterparts, we're raising credit standards. Cost of funds, a few extra banks say that's, a pro that's one of the reasons why they're raising credit standards. Pressure from competition, not really, that's not there. 
perception of risk. That is the major reason why banks have been tightening lending standards, especially in the third and fourth quarter. Bank risk tolerance, another major reason. So banks are saying, we're seeing something that's bothering us and bothering our balance sheets, not the cost of funds, not rate heights. Something is bothering us that we're, we're going to raise credit standards and uh, for loans and credit lines to enterprises. And maybe at the same time, we don't specifically ask this question, maybe internally we're raising our standards to do interbank transactions money-wise too. Um, again, factors contributing to changes in overall terms and conditions on loans or credit lines to enterprises this is now table three. Again, cost of funds, balance sheet constraints, that's, that's, that was mentioned more and more in the third and fourth quarter, but it's not the biggest reason. Pressure from competition, not a big deal. Perception of risk. Once again, the top thing that's driving changes in overall terms and conditions, not just lending standards, but adding a little bit of more protective language, maybe adding a little bit more collateral demands. Perception of risk, third, especially third and fourth quarter too. Um, so from the Euro Area Bank Lending Survey, from Deutsche Bank's balance sheet, from the behavior of markets, not just in Germany, but even but globally focusing on Germany, through the lens of the German bond market, what we saw is massive changes before we even get to this year. Banks were becoming nervous as energy prices were going downward. Maybe they realized all the stuff that we thought we were doing in 2021 in the first half of 2022 that looked really good because everybody said it was really good. Turns out it maybe it wasn't really good. And maybe we got ourselves into a few extra positions that we didn't want to get into that are now maybe a little bit more exposed. And I'm not just talking about uh, safe instruments going down in value because of central banks. I'm talking about real risk here. And before we even get to March, what you see is European banks acting on these perceptions, looking at all of these, whatever these perceptions of risk are, these rising risks, the saying that it's not, not the... Uh, increase in interest rates, it's perceptions of risk, it's tolerance of risk in the bank. You see household loans begin to roll over and are actually down a little bit compared to um, last November. So loans to households are down in Europe. Overall lending, you saw our, uh, again, November, December into this year, there's a rollover there that we only see back in uh, 2011, September 2011, as well as October 2008. Um, loans to non-financial corporations, so business loans. Those peaked last fall when December. Uh, again, you had the typical recession buildup into last fall. Now there's the rollover. So banks are de-risking their loan books in Europe before we even get to March. It's not about interest rates. It's not about hidden paper losses on German bonds. There's risks here. It's not just about recession. It's about banks who maybe did a lot more than they should have confusing CPIs for economic and financial conditions. Because what is it that Janet Yellen said with the Financial, uh, financial Stability Oversight Committee in the U.S. to use that word? The U.S. banking system remains sound, sound and resilient. And you hear those words echoed all throughout Europe. Christine Lagarde will tell you the same thing. In fact, 
She says the economy is resilient when one part because the banking system is resilient. Well, the markets look at the banking system and say, maybe it's not so resilient. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, a huge thank you to Eurodollar University members as well as our research subscribers. And until next time, take care.